Well, hey, welcome to Hope City Church. My name is Jason. Uh, So glad we get to be together today. And uh, wherever you are, Shepherdsville, South Louisville, uh, online, podcast, however it is that you are a part of uh, this service, just really, 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 really uh, glad that we get to to be together. And we are um, in the second part. We're in the second part of this series that we're calling Dollars and Cents. It is a series about money but it's, it's about more than money. It's, it's a series about our relationship with God and our relationship with money. And whether you know it or not, whether you've ever articulated it this way or not, you do have a relationship with money. We all have a relationship with money. And so we're taking a few weeks to talk about that. Um, and uh, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. Last week, we got off to a good start. So we'll see how, we'll see how it keeps going, all right? Uh, but before we get into that, I do want to just make sure that you know, we talked about this last week. Uh, but I do want to make sure that you know that um, this, that we're hoping this series is kind of a, a kind of a, a, a springboard, if you will, an on ramp, if you will, to help you take some next steps to to get your finances in, in the way that you would like to get them, in a God honoring way, in a in a way that brings you peace and, and doesn't keep you up at night. That's our hope. And so we are offering um, Financial Peace University here at the church starting January the eighth. January the eighth. This is about the fifth or sixth or seventh time we've offered. Uh, This is something we love to do at the beginning of every year, and it's something we believe in. Our staff has been through it. Our leaders have been through it, and I shared some of these numbers last week, but they were too good not to share again. Just over over 50, 55, 56 families have graduated our Financial Peace University class, and I want to show you just a couple of these numbers. Those 55 or 56 have paid off $232,537.45 in debt, they saved $301,010.70. That's a total turnaround of $533,548.15. That's incredible. Incredible, incredible, incredible. That, those are real numbers, real people. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to get in on that, if you want to be a part of that, the best way to, to find out more information or to register, or if you know somebody that would want to be a part of that, they don't have to be a part of our church. We just host it here. Uh, but if you know somebody or you'd like to be a part of that, the church app is the best way to do that. Just the front page of the church app, click that link, and you will be, uh, you'll be ready to go, all right? Now, last week, we talked about our attitude with money, our attitude with money, and we said that people who believe in Jesus and believe in eternity should feel differently about their money and possessions than people who don't believe in, in Jesus, That it's our faith in Christ, our faith in Jesus that should change our attitude about money and about possessions. And I ended the message last week by asking you three questions, three questions that uh, we hoped would uh, cause you to think a little bit and and maybe have an attitude adjustment. I know uh, this week in my growth group with with the guys that I meet with, um, we had some good conversations about these questions, but I want to just give them to you. Uh, one more time, the first question we ask about our attitude is, would someone who saw how I spent my money assume that God is my treasure? Would someone who saw how I spent my money assume that God is my treasure? Number two, we said, or asked, am I saying no to something I wanna do with my money so I can say yes to something God wants me to do with my money? And then the third question we asked was, how much of my monthly income is spent on things that will last forever, things that are eternal. And the Bible tells us the only two things that will last forever is the church, God's church, and our souls. And uh, so we, we just talked a little bit about how much of our money is, is spent on things that will last forever. 
And so today, I want to continue this conversation by talking about blessing. Everybody say blessing. Blessing. I want to talk about blessing. And depending on how you were raised, the word blessing can mean some different things. For some, uh, you know, blessing is just what you say uh, when somebody sneezes or, you know, the prayer that you pray before you eat. You know, you pray a blessing over the meal. Uh, maybe for others, it's, it's just something that is kind of pronounced over you by a priest or a minister. Maybe for some, you were kind of raised in a, in a church flow, if you will, where blessing was talked about a lot. It was talked about like, you know, birthdays or Christmas. It was talked about like a carrot on a stick. Like if you would do your part, you know, God would bless you, but it, it always seemed like it was like one step away. You had to keep doing more and giving more and earning more. And maybe, maybe, that, was, maybe that was blessing. And so we wanna talk about that a little bit. You know, what is blessing? And what does the Bible have to say about it? I read a great news story a few weeks ago uh, about a man in Michigan who was driving down the interstate uh, in his truck and $30,000 cash blew out of the back of his truck um, in a cardboard box. I don't know why you would keep $30,000 cash in the back of your truck, but that's what he did. And he did not realize that the money had blown out of the truck until later when he had gotten home. He reached out to authorities, but the news said that um, when the money started blowing out of the truck, that obviously people see cash falling from the sky. It's a true story. Falling from the sky. And they just started pulling over and people were just running around the interstate trying to grab as much cash as possible, which is exactly what you would do and I would do if we saw $30,000 falling from the sky. And uh, so here's my favorite part of the story. Um, The authorities the next day put out a message and asked the people who had taken the money to be a good Samaritan and return the money. (laughs) Right, like, like, Okay, just, I'll be there tomorrow. Um, I could just imagine, when I was reading that, I could just imagine somebody who has got, you know, $1,700 cash that they collected off the interstate or something or fell on their windshield. And I just can't help but wonder, like, maybe that morning, maybe they woke up and, like, they had a bill due or they were about to get foreclosed on or something, and they just were like, God, I don't even know if prayer works, but I, like... (laughs) could you just send me some money today? And then they're driving home and money is just falling from the sky. It's a miracle. Nobody's returning that money. In in case, uh, actually some people did, in case you were wondering, um, at the time they wrote the article, $4,510. $4,510 of the 30 had been been, uh, returned. But is that what blessing is? Like, is, is blessing money blowing out of someone else's truck into my car? Like, I mean, is that what it is? Don't get me wrong. Like, I'll take it, but is that what blessing is? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Not really. I think that a lot of us have a misunderstanding about blessing, and that's why I'm really excited to talk about it, because I think once we know more about it, it's something that all of us will want. And that's my goal, just so you know, my agenda is that by the time we're done talking about this, that you would confidently be able to say, I want God's blessing on my life. I want God's blessing on my money. I want God's blessing on my job. I want God's blessing on, on my, my family. And so uh, let's, let's talk about that. There was a study done by the, the Journal of Medical Entomology to try and figure out why mosquitoes bite certain people 
more than others. And based on tests, what they found was that mosquitoes bite people with type O blood twice as much as they bite people with type A blood, which begs the question, um, how do mosquitoes know your blood type? That's, that's a valid question. And what they found out in this study is that it's your sweat that gives away your blood type. That mosquitoes, based on the way that you sweat, knows what kind of, what kind of blood that you have. Now, what does, what does mosquitoes have to do with blessing? Well, nothing really except the way my mind works. As I read this study, I couldn't help but think about all the people throughout my life that I've known who, who just seem to be more blessed than other people. Like they work the same jobs as everyone else. They live in the same neighborhoods. They go to the you know, same church as everyone else. But for some reason, their life seems to have this extra supernatural help from God. Let me, let me say it this way. They seem to keep getting bit by blessing. Like, like, I don't know what it is, you know, they're just same spot, you know, same cookout, same backyard, but like they just keep getting bit by, by blessing. And it's interesting to me. The dictionary defines blessing really simply. It's a very simple definition. Blessing is just God's favor. If you look it up, this is what it's going to say, God's favor and protection. God's favor and, and protection. And so basically, when we say we want God's blessing in our life, and specifically for this series, when we say we want God's blessing on our finances, what we're saying is we want God's supernatural help. We want God to look favorably on our financial situation and, and to, you know, throw some, like, spiritual bodyguards in there and, and help. Like, we're asking for supernatural, supernatural help from, from God. And... The Bible talks a lot about blessing. It talks a a, a lot, I mean a lot about blessing, especially in the Old Testament. That that just a few pages into the Bible, in Genesis, God visits Abraham and he tells Abraham, I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna bless your children and I'm gonna bless your children's children. And he actually uh, talks about the way that he's gonna bless him. and, And the Bible teaches in the New Testament that we are the children's children, 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 you know, so on, of Abraham. So actually, we are experiencing blessings in our life because of that promise made to Abraham all the way back at the beginning of the Bible. So that's pretty cool. But, but starting just a few pages into the Bible, the Bible starts talking about blessing. God starts talking about blessing. David was incredibly blessed. Uh, Solomon, his son, was incredibly blessed. And, and so all throughout the Old Testament, you just see all this stuff about blessing. And in the Old Testament specifically, Blessing had a lot to do with like material things. So when God would bless or God would show up and say, I'm gonna bless you, it usually was like more land, more cattle, more gold. It was very much about material things because God was trying to establish a nation. He was trying to establish a people. And so he would bless his people so that other people in the Old Testament would look at their life and say, wow, how did they get all that stuff? How did they get all that land? How did they defeat that army? How did they... And they would say, oh, it's because we worship God. It's because we follow the God of Israel. So the blessing was really about kind of making a convincing argument that God is who he says he is. But then when you get in the New Testament, it changes. And the blessing's not as much about material things and land and cattle and gold. In the New Testament, the blessing is about, is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It, it, it's... It's, um, it's, it's about how we are blessed because of 
Jesus. And I wanna just show you this. Uh, it's in Ephesians. This is a letter in the New Testament. But this is what it says in the, in the very beginning of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's writing. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. And when he says us, he's talking about us, okay? So he's talking about all of us. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So, so here is the New Testament talking about blessing, but it talks about it differently. It doesn't say you're blessed so you get like 10 extra sheep or three extra coins. He's saying that in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realms, like you have every blessing. Why? Because, because of your faith in Jesus. This is really important that people who believe in Jesus are blessed with the ultimate blessing. That there is no blessing better than the blessing of forgiveness from God and a relationship with God and eternity with God. Nothing could ever top that. And I wanna make sure that we know that because we're gonna talk about financial blessing in just a moment, but we have to start here because if we're not careful, we can think the ultimate blessing from God would be a million dollars or winning the lottery or like, God, you know my situation. Like, come on, just, you know, make it rain down cash on the road or put a check in the mailbox. And listen, he'll do some of that stuff, but that's not the ultimate blessing of God. We said last week that we know money's not gonna be here in 10,000 years. So yes, God blesses us financially and we're gonna look at that, but that's not the ultimate blessing of God. It's not the best thing that God could do for us. The best thing that God could do for us is save our soul. And so he sent Jesus to die on the cross and be raised to life so that we could have him. And Paul, the apostle Paul says, it doesn't get any better than that. So for preachers like me who talk about blessing and the different areas of our life where we can be blessed, we're really kind of talking about a secondary type of blessing, like a second level type of blessing. Because if you are here and you have put your faith in Jesus, you are blessed. And you have been blessed with every blessing that, that you could ever need or ever want, which means, this is crazy, if nothing good ever happened to you ever again, you're blessed. No good thing, bad things start happening. You start losing jobs you, you, a water line breaks in the front yard or whatever it is. Like, you, like you, you, you got all kinds of problems and you say, for the last 50 years, everything in my life has gone wrong. If you've got Jesus, something went right. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So that is the ultimate blessing in, in our life. I pray for blessings on my kids. I want my kids to be blessed and I pray that they'll have favor and, and influence in school and I'm asking for supernatural help. But if nothing good happens for my children and tragic things happen to my children even, if my faith is in Jesus, I have every spiritual blessing. I pray for blessing with money, for God to help me financially and do things beyond my ability. But if I lost it all and I have Jesus, I'm blessed. I, I pray and ask for God to bless this church. That's another example. And all the examples we could get, but even if we lost it all, as long as we have Jesus, we're blessed. So as long as we understand that financial blessing is, is good 
and that it's God, and that it is a way that, that God helps us because he loves us, but it's not the ultimate blessing, then we can experience and enjoy so much of God's goodness in our life, and we don't need to feel bad for praying for it, and we don't need to feel bad for receiving it or having it or apologizing for it, because all our hope is not in money or material things. We talked about that last week in attitude. So if our attitude is right, and we understand that Jesus is the ultimate blessing, now we can, in a really healthy, spiritually mature way, ask God and receive blessings from God in all of these areas of our life, but specifically in the area of of money. God doesn't care if you have money. Please hear that. He just doesn't want money to have you. You can have, listen, you can be as rich as you wanna be. Just be rich towards God. Just be rich for God. I think the best example of God's blessing in our financial life is in a story in the book of Mark. It's in the gospel of Mark. And um, I would be willing to bet that even if you haven't been to church much or uh, haven't really read the Bible, I'd be willing to bet that you know this story. It's a very famous story. It's a story where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And there's a couple of different versions in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Tells the story a couple of different ways. But I love the story in Mark. It's very short, actually. But I love the story in Mark because in this story is my favorite question in the Bible. It's my favorite question in the Bible. I'm going to show it to you when we get there. But it is my favorite question in all of the Bible. So if you have a sermon guide, you can grab that. There's some page numbers on there. And if you have a Bible, uh, grab that. Or there's a Bible either in your seat or underneath the seat in front of you. You can grab that, and we're gonna read this story together, Mark chapter six, and we're gonna start with verse 35, all right? Here's what it says. It says, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, talking about Jesus, they came to Jesus and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. So just to kind of catch you up, Jesus and the disciples were trying to get away for a little R&R, but Jesus, it was really hard for Jesus to get away. And, uh, and so people followed him, thousands of people followed him. And so now they've been doing another day of ministry when they were trying to take a day off and it's getting late. And so the disciples are like, we don't have any food. We're out here, you know, in the middle of nowhere And so let's send them home so they can find something to eat. But Jesus said in verse 37, you feed them. With what, they ask? With what? That's my favorite question in the Bible. That's it right there, Just just two little words, with what? But it is my favorite question in the Bible because it's so honest. I love that the disciples had the courage to look back at Jesus, the son of God, and be like, what? With what? With what? For real? Jesus says, you feed them, and the disciples are like, what are you talking about, dude? With what? Like, you know all things, so you know we have nothing. So what are you talking about? In another version in John, uh, it says that Jesus asked uh, Philip to do something about it even though he already knew what he was going to do. And this is what Jesus does. This is what God does in our lives so many times is he puts us in a position to where we're terrified or unqualified or or don't have what we need, 
because he's growing our faith. He already knows what he's going to do, and he already knows how he's going to do it, but he's not going to tell us because he wants to stretch us and to grow our faith. And so he says to the disciples, you know, you're right, but you feed them. And the disciples say, with what? And I would be willing to bet that, that you have asked that question before too. With what? With what? Maybe you, um, maybe you want to tithe or you want to give to the church, but you look at your budget and you're like, with what? Or, or maybe, you, um, maybe you have a college you want to go to or your, your child has a college they want to go to, but you look at the tuition costs and you're like, with what? With what? You want to go on a mission trip. You hear the church is going to be going on a mission trip and, you know, orphanage or building homes. You're like, man, I really want to go, and you're excited about it, but then you hear how much it costs, and you're like, with, with what? With what? Maybe you want to retire a little bit early, you know? You don't have to keep working and say, I, I think, man, I would love to retire just a few years early, but you look at living expenses and income, and you're like, with, with what? Or you want to take your family on vacation. You want to go do some of the things that, you know, you, you want to plan out and map out. But you look at the prices and you say, with what? I love this question because it's so honest. God, just being honest here, Jesus, you're asking me to do something I cannot do. I can't do it. Not because I'm lazy. Not because I'm uneducated. Not because I don't know how to do math. I actually know how to do math, which is why I'm certain I can't do it. And we know the disciples are doing the math because look at what happens next. They say, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. So that we already know, like, they've had the pen and paper out. And they're like, okay, 5000 Like, how much do the kids need? Um, is Pastor Jason's son there? Because he'll need, like, three, time, three meals. And, you know, they eat all the food. And, like, so they're doing all the math. And... And they know, like they've added it up. They know they can't, they can't do it. And so they say, we'd have, to, we'd have to work for months. 38, how much bread do you have, Jesus asked. Go and find out. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100 Verse 41, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them. He blessed them. Now, we're gonna finish reading in just a moment, but I wanna stop for a second and just recognize what has happened. Jesus tells them to, to go and, and, to, and to figure out the numbers. Go run the numbers, go do the logistics, figure out what you have, which is not the point of the message, but I think is a valid point that like, you need to know what you've got. <laughs> you need to know the numbers. You need, to, you need to have it written down. You need to know what you, you've got. And Jesus asked them to do that. And they come back and they say, we got, we got five uh, loaves of bread, we got two fish. And I know that most of us know this story, so we know what's gonna happen. We glamorize the bread and the fish and the little boy's lunch. I remember growing up in church and the Sunday school teacher would have like a whole lesson about the boy's lunch. And, and we know it was a boy's lunch in the John version. But like, we don't know anything about him. He may have been like a terrible kid. We have no idea, you know, but they would have this whole lesson. We glamorize the story about this amazing bread and this amazing fish. But, but 
because we know how it ends, we glamorize it. Imagine being in the moment and knowing that like there are, there are 5,000 men, 10, 12, 14,000 people total, and Jesus is like, okay, well, let's work something out here. What do you got? And you have the equivalent of like two Chick-fil-A number one value meals. There's 14,000 people here, God, but we've got two chicken sandwiches, two fries, and, you know, a couple of lemonades. That's what we've got. You wouldn't even want to say it out loud because it's ridiculous. It's silly. Like, you don't even want to insult God. Like, I mean, nothing. We have nothing. Like, you have nothing? Well, I mean, we have something, but it's, it's really nothing. It's like two sandwiches. It's not, it's nothing. Don't even come up with a different plan. It's nothing. It's silly. It's ridiculous, right? But the key phrase in what we read is, is that last little phrase, that, that, that Jesus got them. And Jesus blessed them. He blessed them. Now, we're gonna finish the story and then see if we can, if we can learn something. Look, look at these last few verses. Then, after he blessed them, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. So again, we glamorize the story, we rush right past this miracle, but just comprehend this for a second. You know, 14, 12, 14,000 people, two Chick-fil-A value meals, and when they're done, and everybody's full, and they can have as much as they want, because it's all you can eat, and they're done, and everybody's left, and now the disciples have to pick up all that's left. They've got like 12 catered meals. Like Jesus didn't even just, he didn't just meet the need, like he he just got, he got ridiculous with it and, and did more than enough. And it says, it tells us the numbers, a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Now, I wanna be very, very, very upfront and very clear about this story, that Jesus did not do this miracle to teach us about financial stewardship. We're using this story to bring out some principles We're gonna use it uh, symbolically that Jesus didn't do the miracle so that it it could be a sermon about money and blessings and stewardship. But I I do believe that, that this remarkable story can teach us some important lessons for people who have put their faith in Jesus and want financial blessing on their life. If that is you, if you would say, yes, my faith is in Christ, that Jesus is my ultimate blessing, eternity is my ultimate reward, but I also wouldn't mind having a little bit of something while I'm here, and if God could bless my job, bless my finances, I would want that. My faith is in Christ. My faith is not in my money, but, but while my faith is in Christ, I, I want God's blessing on my life. I want God's blessing on my money and, and, and my things, then I think so many things could be taken out of this story. And we don't have time to talk about all of them, but I really just want to talk about one of them. The one, the one thing that we can take away is this idea that blessed is better than my best. That blessed, something that is blessed, blessed by God, something that is blessed is so much better than my best. Like if you... If you run the numbers and you say, you know what, if we did our best, if we did our best, we could probably be out of debt in three years. I mean, if we, if we did our best, we could 
I could probably work my way up in this company in five years and get to, you know, manager level or whatever it is. If, if I did my best, I'm talking about my best, I could, I could save enough to retire by, by 65 if I did my best. But what if your best was blessed? See, there's something that happens when God blesses what, what we're doing. Now, I know that, that some people hear that and they think, come on, Jason, you know, that's superstition or you're making stuff up, but you'll never convince me otherwise. You're just not. You're not gonna convince me otherwise because I have been bit too many times. I've been bit by blessing too many times. I know too many people who have been bit by blessing and, and too many stories and too many answered prayers. You're just not gonna convince me that God, our heavenly father, doesn't look down from heaven and decide to help. You're just not gonna convince me otherwise. See, everything changes when God blesses it. Everything changes. But he won't bless what you won't bring him. Everything changes when he blesses it, but he's not, he won't bless what you won't bring to him. And that's really what I love about this, this story. And I've been thinking about this all week that, you know, reading this story again, I've, I've taught on this before and a couple of times, you know, this is, we've read this, but, but just the image this week that I've had in my mind, I love this image of the disciples bringing what they have to Jesus. They have a small meal and they bring it to God. And so, so get, based on what we read, get this image in your head. The disciples go, they, they talk the boy into giving up his lunch, and so they take the lunch, and they bring it, and they say, look, this is what we got. You said, what do you got? This is what we got. And they hand it to Jesus, and Jesus takes it, and he blesses it. He looks up to heaven, and he blesses it. And then he turns around, and he gives it back to them. And I don't know why that image has just stuck with me so strongly this week, but I can't shake this image of like, I bring what I have to God. God takes it out of my hands. He blesses it when he puts it back in my hands. It's a powerful, powerful image. And so imagine for a moment that, that God says to you, just like the disciples in the story, imagine for a moment that God says to you, go find out what you have. Go find out what you have. You're like, okay, so... You go and you, you, know, you get all, the, you get all the, the mail that you've been afraid to open off the top of the fridge and you get it out on the counter and you, know, you log into all the accounts and you start writing stuff down and you say, okay, all right, I, feel like, I, I, think, I, I think I know. And so you go back to God and, and most of us would have a list that looks something like this. God says, go, go get what you have. We come back, okay, okay, God, this is what I have. You asked what do I have, this is what I have. I got some school loans. I got a mortgage payment. You know, I'm drawing a little pension. I got a little social security check, something like that. I've got child support. Either I'm getting some or I'm giving some. I do have a salary. I got some money coming in. I got a car payment or two. You know, I, I've got maybe a, a rental house. I got some investments maybe. I've got some back taxes that I owe. You ask God, what do you have? This is what I have. This is what I have, God. What would it look like for you to bring 
what you have to him? What would that look like? Maybe your list isn't this depressing. <laughs> Maybe your list is like, I mean, I have, you know, a pretty large savings account and a lake house and, you know, emergency fund, and paid off cars, like, Maybe that's what your list looks like. He still asks you the same question he asks all of us. What do you have? What would it look like, whether your list is depressing or really exciting, what would it look like if you took everything that you have and you, and you gave it to God? You gave it to God. I'm talking about way more than offering. I'm talking about way more than giving and tithing. I'm talking about everything. Like in my head, I know I'm weird. I'm like a visual like this, but like I just see in my head like me grabbing all of those mail envelopes and just being like, here, God, here. Like I, the, 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 all, the, all the insurance letters we've been getting in the mail from Andrea's wreck, like just, just putting a rubber band around them and be like, here, you ask what I have. This is what I got. EMT ambulance bills. Here you go, God, right here. This is what I've got. What would it look like to give it to God. Now, the easiest thing for us to do would be to read this story and to make the point that when you have a little bit, God will multiply it and make it a lot. And listen, for sure that happens. There are times when that happens. But God's blessing is way more than money. The disciples got way more out of this experience than leftovers. I mean, we don't know because they don't tell us, but it would be safe to assume they received joy. You think you would be feeling joyful if you experienced this? I bet. They got an exciting experience out of it. They received a story to tell. You think they ever told this story? They, they, they got to help people who were in need. They, they got to stretch their, their faith. Blessing is way more than money. Don't shortchange God. Don't make the blessing of God about just money. Because the blessings of God is joy and faith and peace and miracles. It's being able to sleep at night and not worrying and, and resting. And the, the, the blessing of God is way more than a dollar amount. And the disciples got way more out of this day than just 12 basketfuls of bread. I mean, I, I like bread, but even that's a lot for me. Like, that's a lot of bread, right? The eternal blessings that they got from this story are way greater than, than leftover bread. So what would it look like for you to say, God, I want you to bless my life? God, I want you to bless my job. What would it look like for you to bring your job to God? Like, like I don't know exactly how it works, and you gotta let the, kind of the Holy Spirit work with you on this, but what would it look like if you got in your car on, on Monday morning, and you can set like, a, you can set like a, a GPS reminder on Siri, and every time you pull out of your driveway, so you tell Siri, like, when I leave this address, you get a reminder, give your job to God. And you just told God, God, this is your job. This is your, these are your sales calls, God. These are your contracts, God. This is your job. And God, I'm giving this job to you. If I, if I walk in today and unexpectedly they say I'm out, I'm blaming you, God, because this is your job. If I walk in and they say you're promoted to manager, I'm not gonna get proud about it because this is your job, God. I get a raise or a demotion, this is your job. And God, I'm giving it to you and I'm asking you to bless it. Let me tell you what he's gonna do. He's gonna turn around and give it back to you. You're still gonna have to go in. You're gonna have to do the job. But it's a different job now because it's not your job, it's God's job and it's blessed by God. What would it look like for you to give your school loans to God? 
like, yeah, I'm in. Let's just give them to God, right? But he's going to give them back to you. You're going to say, God, here, here are all of these loans, and, but they're yours. Like, I, I borrowed the money, God. I get that. But, like, I, I don't want to shoulder this burden anymore, God. I'm giving you all of my student loans. You know what he's going to do? He's going to take them. He's going to bless them. He's going to give them back to you. So you're probably going to have to organize them in the filing cabinet. But they're not the same student loans anymore. They're student loans that are blessed by God. And your best will get you out of there eventually. But your best that is blessed by God is more than anything that you could do on your own. You bring your kids. You bring your home. You bring your salary. You bring your bank account. You you give it to God. He blesses it. He turns around. He gives it right back to you. Now, I'm out of time, but I, but I got to just say one more thing. We got we to gotta ask this question. Okay, God's going to bless it. Okay, God's going to help. God's going God's to do more. God's going to take a little and make it a lot. Like, that's great. But, but what's the point? What's the point of all of this? What's the point of God's blessing? Let me ask the question like this. This is what I've been asking myself lately. Well, what's the more for? Like, God, give me more. Help me more. What's the more for? If he gave you more, what's it for? If he takes it out of your hands and he blesses it and now all of a sudden you have more, what's the more for? If we read this story and only take away that God's blessing multiplies what we give him, we only experience half the story. The reason he multiplied it was so it could be given. Mark Batterson calls this the double blessing, and he defines the double blessing as when you use God's blessing on your life to bless someone else. I love this. I love this. That's what the disciples did in this story. This was a double blessing. God blessed it and multiplied it, and we don't know, and I'm totally making some assumptions here, but I'm kind of of the opinion, if, if Jesus would have handed it back to the disciples and been like, wow, thanks, and they just would have ate the first round, I think it would have been over. But look at what it says. It says that, that he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could give it to the people. I love this quote by Ike Reichard, the pastor in Georgia. He says this. He says, God will let a lot of money pass through your hands if you don't let it stick to your fingers. That's great. I love that. God will use your life and your bank account and your home and your car, and he'll use all of it as a funnel, and he will do so much more and pass so much more through your life than you ever imagined as long as it doesn't stick to your fingers. When he finds somebody that he knows he can trust to distribute it, he'll keep giving it. He'll keep giving it. God wants to bless your job. He wants to bless your money and your debt, but not so you can buy more stuff. He wants to bless you so you can give more. Let me, let me say it like this, is that we're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're not saying, God, give me more because that would be awesome. <laughs> We're not saying, God, give me more because I have a, a wish list saved on Amazon. Our prayer is, God, 
Will you bless me so I can be a blessing? Will you keep giving so I can keep giving? I'm taking everything I've got, God, and I'm giving it to you. And I'm asking you to bless it. But here's the deal, God. Here's what I'm promising you, God. Here's what I'm gonna agree to, God. If you'll keep giving it back, I'll keep giving it away. Like, I'm just, I'm gonna give it all to you, and I want you to bless it. But if you keep giving it back, I'll keep giving it away. That's my prayer for your life, my life. It's not that we would get trapped in this idea that, like, if you'll put a certain amount of money in a bucket, then, you know, God will make you a millionaire. Our prayer is not that God would help us get into the nice neighborhood so our kids won't have to go to his bad schools. He may do that. But our prayer is that God would bless us so that we can be a blessing. And that's a totally different attitude about God and about money. And he wants to do that in your life. And I want you to unapologetically want that for your life and to ask God for that for your life. So look, I don't know how far you want to take this, okay? And I don't know how weird you want to get with it, but I don't think it would be out of question for you to just start going around your home and just taking stuff and just telling God, like, this is yours now, God. I'm giving it to you. When you, when you tuck your kids into bed at night, just go ahead and, like, lay your hand on their head and say, God, this is your child. I'm giving them to you. The next time you log into your online app bank, just be like, God, this is your bank account. I'm giving it to you. And I'm asking you to bless my life. I'm, I want to be a person who walks in your blessing. I want to get bit all the time by the blessings of God. And if you'll keep giving it, I'll keep giving it. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that, that you gave the greatest blessing that we could ever receive when you sent Jesus. Thank you, God, for the blessing of forgiveness and eternal life and a relationship with you. And God, forgive us if we have fallen into this trap of believing that something else on this earth is better than a relationship with you. So God, I pray that you would help us to focus again and put our faith again in Jesus. And God, I pray that on the second level blessings in our life, God, that you would Bless us beyond our ability to pray and dream and think. Not for more to keep, but for more to give and more to share. I pray for the courage that some of us need in this room, God, to, to go figure out what we have. I pray for the courage to begin to make some changes in our life that... Um, need to be made that are gonna be hard or painful. But God, as we do the best that we can do, God, I pray that our best would be blessed by you.
In Jesus' name we pray, amen.